Hey guys, we have a special treat for you today. This is actually a repost podcast. Uh, the gym that I go to, Pratt Personal Training, is a seven-figure small group personal training gym. And one of the things that they do in order to grow their business is that they have their own podcast where they feature members and they have a way that they can communicate with the large membership that they have to make it feel more personal. And it's and they're doing a great job with it. So uh, they started to bring guests on and I was actually the first guest that they had on. The reason why I'm reposting this here for all of you, my fellow rehab Cairo friends, is because one of the things I always tell my mastermind members is, sure, you should listen to what I say, but also watch what I do. And if you take a step back from a marketing, sales, and communication standpoint, all of you hear me in a certain way, right? You and I are very similar. You guys are rehab chiros. I am a rehab chiro. I speak to you guys in a certain way because you guys are a different audience. The reason why I'm going to be posting this specific podcast is because what you will hear is my language and my tone and uh, what I deliver message-wise is very different because the people listening to that podcast are most likely potential patients in Strive to Move in our practice. And I think that is a huge takeaway that I'd love for you guys to hear because I think what you'll recognize is the idea going into a conversation or going into a podcast or going into an email that the communication style and just being very clear on who I'm talking to at the moment, who might listen, will change how I deliver a message. So again, for you guys out there that are running your own practice, this might be something that'll help you when you go to speak to your potential client or your potential patient. And so I wanted to post this and we have a couple parts. I'm going to break it up in a few parts of the interview. I think you're really going to enjoy it and get a lot out of it. Now, In addition to that, a reminder, January 22nd and 23rd, Rehab Cairo Mastermind Live in um, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. We have two guest passes remaining. I have sold a few already, and we are going to have a big crowd. As I've said before, if it's anything like our first one, the first one we ever did in New Jersey back in September, um, this one's going to be uh, incredible. If you're out there and you wonder how we can sell and communicate patients on a cash basis to decide to pay us over $300 a session, four to $5,000 for a plan of care ethically and happy to do it, this seminar is perfect for you. If you don't know how to get your prices above $60, $70, if you're out there and people are just coming to you for adjustments or just want soft tissue or just want a tune-up and you're not sure and you're frustrated how to make that transition, it is all about how you are communicating. And those are the type of things that we are going to be speaking about in in specific detail in Fort Lauderdale in January. So my mastermind members will all be there. My team will all be there. But if you're out there and you're not in our group, you have an opportunity to see what it's about. And you will leave there, as I've said before, um, whatever you pay to get there, it's going to be worth 10 times the value. I promise you that. Um, I promise on my family, you will not leave there without like, holy crap, I just learned so much that I can implement tomorrow. You will leave excited about your practice and about what the future looks like. So January 22nd and 23rd in Fort Lauderdale, you can shoot me a message. Uh, you can email me, drjustin at strivetomove.com or slide into my DMs at Justin Rabinowitz on Instagram. 
And uh, I hope you enjoy the episode. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Business School for the Rehab Chiropractor. Class is officially in session. My name is Justin Rabinowitz, and I am a rehab chiropractor on a mission to teach you, a fellow rehab chiropractor, the exact tools and systems I've used to build my own successful rehab chiropractic practice so you can do the same. I hope you enjoy, and please subscribe. So, Justin, I, the first question for you is something that, like, when people talk to me about stuff they're struggling with, specifically pain and things, and I, I talked, to, I, even, I just recently talked to one of our members uh, who's not training with us at the moment, but she called about um, some issues with her knees, and it's a very complex issue. And I was like, look, like, I think you need to call these people strive to move. And, of course, like, well, well, why? I went to a physical therapist. Like, what's the difference? So I tried to explain to her what the difference was. And I have my own way of doing it, but I'm just not sure if people get it. So I'd love to hear your elevator spit, uh, speech about like uh, what Strive to Move does and how they're different from a typical physical therapy. Yeah. I mean, the elevator pitch is essentially that's who we help is people that have tried something like regular physical therapy or chiropractic and it's failed and they're looking for another option. And that's that's it. Right? Awesome. Because um, so many people that get to us, if, we, if you ask me like what our perfect patient is, that's it. Like they've been somewhere else. They've tried it. Um, it was good but they either want more or looking for more or their issue isn't resolved. Yeah. You know, like, and I can go on for stories about that of people having great experiences. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, like I went to PT and it was great. Okay. Like how, how'd you end up here? Oh, cause my knees still hurt. Yep. And you know, and so there's something to be said for that, but that's, that's who we help. You know, typically you know, 10% of our clients have been nowhere else in the past. And so that's literally what we do. Awesome. Yeah, it was, it was interesting because this person was like, well, I guess I'll just go back to PT. And I was like, well, okay, you said it was kind of better when you did it, but then you stopped and it's now no better at all. So like, to me, I was I was trying to be sensitive because she's going through a lot, but I was like, well, why would you go back to the same place? It doesn't sound like anything got fixed. I don't know if that's the right word. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could think about it in, in any industry. Um, if you go to a bad restaurant, that doesn't mean you never go to another restaurant. Unless it's an Italian takeout. Yeah, take out. <laughs> yeah I mean, even that is questionable. Even that is questionable. Um, but the the reality is um, what we literally specialize in is looking at what we call the root cause of the problem. And so most commonly when people come in, knee pain is a great example. Like if you go to a PT or, or something like that, they're going to look at your knees. They're probably, you probably go into them there. They massage your knees for 15 minutes. They might put stem on them. Then they send you around to do a set of exercises, which is a template of exercises. And the good news with that is probably 75% of the people, it helps them, which is why they're successful, right? And it's for like a common problem. But then there's 25% of people who do that. They go through the process and they didn't get the result. And so when they come to us, the first thing we do is like, what have you done? And if they tell us that's their journey, um, the first thing that we look at is like, what did they miss? Mm. Right. And so in, in your, in this case, great example, it felt good when I was leaving, but then it came back. And so now um, let's call her Mrs. Smith comes to our office and she's like, my knees hurt when I do steps. And so we're going to take a look at her hips, right? Are her hips able to support, you know, what she's doing? Do they have the range of motion? We're going to watch her do step ups or do squats or do lunges, all like knee dominant movements, similar to all the exercise you guys do here. Um, because what we find a lot of times is there could be like even a technique issue. It's just, they, it's overlooked and it wasn't covered by the basics at the, you know, the regular physical therapist. Yeah. Gotcha. And you guys would have heard by now the intro where I uh, spoke to my experience with Justin just briefly. 
And uh, I mean, just speaking of knee pain, that's what I went through. And the reason I went to you guys, um, not only did I know you and trust you, but like, I also had heard uh, these things about like physical therapy. Like, yeah, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Like, I was scared that like everybody's going to recommend surgery to me. I was scared that they were just going to look at my knee only. I thought there might be other things going on. So I was really pleased when you were like, all right, we're going to look at everything. And we're going to look at the way you do lunges. I remember doing lunges in your office. Um, and then everything that we we work together, obviously, I told you guys in the intro. You're a good example, though, just to, because most people, when I talk to them, when when they have a problem or they have pain, the first thing is, oh, I'm too tight. I need to stretch. You know, it's very common. Something's tight, I stretch it. And you are a great example where you actually, your profile is you're actually too mobile, right? And so you have a lot of ankle mobility and you have a lot of knee flexibility, which means you like to use it which means that if you use it too much, you're going to overuse your knees, so to speak. And so, like, if we just massage your knees and stretch your knees, but you went back to going to do a lot of very, very heavy knee-dominant exercises and you never, you know, essentially shared the load with the posterior hips or your core or things like that, you're just going to kind of keep picking the scab. And so that's what we, we talk about, you know, just to, I used to work at Rutgers with the gymnastics team. And when I tell the normal person that they're always injured, they're surprised because they're like, what do you mean they're so flexible? Yeah. And flexibility doesn't mean you're going to be healthy all the time. In fact, there are a lot of people in your gym that are yogis and they are flexible. And that's actually the reason they have a lot of pain, which, you know, in a normal physical therapy or chiropractic setting, they're not going to address that. Yeah. And that's actually a really good segue coming up to the next question. Um, And I remember, so we we worked together for a little bit and you had basically recommended a lot of stuff. We did, we did a lot. I was there for a few sessions and uh, we did like manual manipulation on uh, some like like make deeper muscles around my hip, for lack of a better words. And um, just you, just you, a professional saying like, hey, like this exercise right now, I don't think you should do it was huge for me because I love working out. And that was another reason I wanted to work with you because you're like, well, I'm not going to take working out away from you. I'm just going to find a way where you can keep working out and we can get like better at the pain right now. Like a couple of my personal goals, maybe I had to go on hold. Actually, a couple of my personal goals like actually went really well coming out of uh, working with you. So just having somebody that was professional tell me like, look, like stop doing this for now, start doing a couple more of these things, work with me for a couple more weeks. I'm going to do this in the office. And uh, then it it all like came together really well. It's my first step to like actually dealing with something that had been going on for years in my knee. Um, So can you speak a little bit to that? Like on that segue, uh, your philosophy of working out with pain, like what pain is appropriate to work out with? Uh, When should you think about maybe working with professional you know, at the first sign of like uh, joint pain, should you stop working out? Like, I think people are just very confused about this. And it's yeah. a vague topic. It's kind of tough. And and the other problem, which one of my friends is trying to sort of fix this in, in his industry of physical therapy, is the other problem with what you're saying is if you go to 10 different doctors, P- PTs, chiros, trainers, they're going to get 10 different answers as to the answer to this question. And, um, you know, it, it, there's no... Perfect answer. The first thing that I will say is that pain is not normal. And actually, one of my clients, one of my coaching clients says this when he teaches, pain isn't normal and age isn't an excuse. And I love that line. I'm just old. So the classic example is like Who's you have old a client. <laughs> not me. <laughs> you have a client that comes in and they have left hip pain. And they'll say, oh, um, you know, I, I got some hip pain, but yeah, I'm just getting old. And the first question or the comment I'll say to them is, well, your right hip is the same age as your left hip. Why doesn't that one hurt? It's pretty good. I never thought about that. I like that. And so, but that's where we start to look and see. Now, the problem in in my world specifically is that 95% of people, they get to our office by the time they're already injured. 
it's kind of like I read a book once by a divorce attorney and his book was called, um, by the time you get to my office, it's already too late because they're already getting divorced. <laughs> um, for most patients that come to us, it's not quite there yet. But again, one of the issues that frustrates us a little bit is that people only come to us usually when, when it's already gone too far, it's jumped the shark, so to speak. And where we really specialize with people, and I think where we have the most value is actually once they're sort of out of pain. Because if someone comes in in acute back pain or knee pain, step one of our process is just to cool it down, just get them out of pain. And that's when we can actually go in and do the work necessary, add the exercises, add the mobility, add the strength, fix the movement patterns so that it doesn't come back over and over and over again. Um, I would love to say, sit here and say, as the first sign of injury, do something about it. But I think if I had to give a con concrete objective measure, I would say two things. I would say if you're, you're doing an, an intervention, so let's just say you modified your training. Let's say you went to physical therapy. Let's say you did an injection. Let's say you went on YouTube and did a stretching program. And you give it a period of time. Let's call it four weeks. And you have no sustainable results. That's when I would say, all right, I have to change something. Now, again, is it perfect? It's not, but it, I can't, it's impossible to make it perfect. But the problem that we see is people continue to do the same thing over and over and expect a different result. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so potentially, if you came to see us and we did our evaluation process, and there are times that people come in and they're like, I'm doing this, whatever it is. And it's like, all right, we'll just keep doing that. But it's very rare, right? If you have some sort of musculoskeletal injury and it hasn't gone away in a four-week period from doing whatever, the classic one is stretching, right? Like my hamstring's tight, let me stretch it. If you stretch it for four weeks and it's still tight, well, in, in my like doctor brain, I'm thinking you might have sciatica, ridiculous pain down your leg, and actually the stretching might make it worse. So yes, I'm not, uh, I would love to say, go up and say, anytime someone has a, any injury, come to my office, we can help. I believe we can, I believe that's the right thing. I don't think that's realistic. Um, you know, the other part too, and I guess sort of the PSA that I have for most surgeries that happen, most surgeries, as I call them, are not like get, by, get hit by a bus injury. They're not traumatic. If you think about most people over the course of time, let's take like a hip replacement as an example. Um, no, not almost nobody gets hit with a bat or has like a Bo Jackson getting a car accident type injury, or it was a football injury where you need emergency surgery. Most hip replacements are abnormal wear and tear over decades of decades of decades. Now, when we do our evaluation process, and I've seen this at, at kids, 17, 18 years old, young kids, when we get them in there and can like get our hands and assess the joints on them, I can tell them pretty quickly of like, hey, if we don't look at this, you know, 30 years from now, you're going to need a hip replacement. And just, you know, when you guys know this, when their hip doesn't rotate, right, hip internal rotation, as we like to call it, when they're limited with that, that's the first sign of degenerative hip uh, derangement, disease, whatever, which then leads to, you know, rubbing, wearing, tearing, which then will lead to hip replacement down the line. And so by the time that that guy or girl gets to that surgeon, like it's been 40 years abnormally, which again, not only is a, you know, a, for someone to understand and get it taken care of medically, potentially in our office, but probably more importantly, from a training standpoint, because you can overcome a lot of that by having mobility and being strong. 
Yeah. So, I mean, to, to leave off on that. So when they get to that point and it's been 30 or 40 years and they're going to see the surgeon, is there any other option? So I'm trying to think of some people who probably are at that point right now. Like, is surgery pretty much it at that point? Like, should they have caught it earlier? I mean, well, they, they, yes, they should have caught it earlier. But, like, what's realistic then? Like, is there ability to do anything at that point other than surgery? So, the answer, it's yes and, right? If they haven't done anything, I would delay the surgery to do cool. something awesome. like you, like, for sure, a training program, a legit training program, and or in conjunction something like what we have where we can get our hands in there, manipulate some of the muscles surrounding it because it's not in isolation, right? If your hip joint is a problem, like we're not putting our hands on the joint and changing that, but the, all the muscles around that have compensated. And so what we're doing is trying to maximize that process. And what we say and what you guys should say or do say is this is a no-lose situation, right? If you come to our office and are on the chopping block literally to have mm -hmm. surgery, if we can't stop you from having surgery, we're going to get you as good as you can going in, which means your recovery after is going to be easier, right? And so um, I would exhaust absolutely every conservative care type thing I could and delay as long as I can. If you go to most hip surgeons, they in that capacity, outside of, again, something you know atypical, what they're going to say is, I'm not going to tell you, Mr. Patient, when you need surgery, you're going to tell me because it's a discomfort thing. Right. It's usually at some point they just can't tolerate it. Right. Anymore. Yeah. And so for us, you know, could you train around it and do upper body and core and ankles and hit? Absolutely. But even with that sort of issue, you know, if we can maximize all of the, the muscles around it, if we can get stability in the other hip, if we can gain upper body strength and things like that, I mean, I had, so I had back surgery when I was 26. Uh, I had a, a discectomy, you know, down my leg, the whole thing. I was in chiropractic school. And I remember going home from the hospital that day. And, and I remember getting out of the car, being able, and I was obviously really sore, physically being able to like do a pull-up to get out of the car. And it was at that moment, I was like, this is really helpful to be strong. Because to be able to ambulate in and out of bed when I couldn't like move from basically my rib cage to my knees and to be able to like push myself off, roll my body, pull myself out of bed. I mean, if you're not strong in those situations, it's over. It's, mm -hmm. it, it's over. And I think they did a study, uh, don't quote me on it, but essentially they found, they found just in credence to like being strong, there was a direct correlation between like death and the ability to do like a body squat. Or, or like and leg strength because essentially once you can't like physically get up anymore it's over it's wow, over that's pretty severe correlation between death and not being well, able to squat <laughs> but but think about it right once you can't like squat your body weight right you can't ambulate which means you can't support yourself which means you can't move which means you need help you know you, you, it's over yeah downward it's spiral yeah yeah good stuff uh really good takeaways too i think even uh, going back to like that four week rule i think it's just very helpful just for somebody to kind of have a category in their head, because I think myself included, which is why I asked the question, I don't really know what to tell people, how long to wait. You know, is it three days? Like, is it two months? I don't know. Four weeks is, is a nice, uh, something just to remember. Um, so let's touch on uh, when somebody is injured, right? Somebody has been injured. Uh, should they keep working out? Because I think there's a misconception around this too. I've known people who like at the sign of any injury, stop working out altogether, stop moving. And that's just what we were just talking about. Like they basically aren't moving anymore now. Is there some way we can work around that pain uh, while working with professionals such as yourself? Should we keep our body moving and the blood flowing kind of like in any way we can? Or should we rest? And is there a time where like there's certain injuries that we should just rest? Um, if there is a period of time to rest, I would say that is generally very, very short. And I would say for the majority 
80, 90% of people specifically that would be listening to this podcast, as a general rule, we should be looking to do everything we can to avoid that, right? Um, the question of should we continue to train when we're injured is the answer isn't so clear um, because if it's just go back to the gym or go back to a random workout and just continually beat the shit out of yourself, I would say no, that's probably best to just rest. Um, if you're if you're here, like I know what you guys do, I know the programming, I know the skill set that you guys have. So if someone comes in with like bilateral knee pain, the worst thing that that person can do, your client, like if I talk to you today, I'm like, get your ass back here tomorrow, right? If we can get your your core moving, if we can do hip dominant patterns, if we can get your upper body moving, if we can break a little bit of a sweat, if we can do some mobility drills, um, and you leave the workout just not feeling worse, great day. It's a great day, right? Um, almost in no, in no situations will anybody find that doing less movement is better outside of some severe acute like back injury or, or something of that nature. But, um, you know, you see people all the time that, you know, you, you hurt your elbow. It's like, well, you got two legs, you got a core, you got a shoulder. And um, they've done, and they've done studies that this is like an old, you know, Eric Cressy, Mike Reinald type study where, if you think about exercise in general, it's not, it's not so focused, meaning that like when you go to do a bicep curl on your right arm, it's the only thing working is not your bicep. It's more systemic than that. And so what they find actually in studies where like, let's say you had a shoulder surgery and you're in a sling that you actually transfer the strength to that hurt arm. You know, they've done studies between 10 and like 60% of transfer. Because if you think about when you get strong to like do an activity to like, hit a golf ball or to walk up steps. It's not just like you walk up a step and your quad works, your body works. And so lifting, exercising is more systemic than just like, oh, my knees hurt. I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'm going to have a problem here. By the way, the other part that happens too is just from a weight perspective, right? Um, the, the worst part about people that have like a chronic-y long-standing injury is that they stop being active. And typically when that happens, they do the opposite of what they should. They eat more, not less. And so if you have chronic hip, knee, back pain, and then you start adding five, six, seven, eight, ten 10 pounds, mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like that much, except our friend, Big Tom, once at a seminar did this. And I never thought about it. He goes, yeah, five, six, seven, 10 pounds isn't that much. And then he picked up a 10-pound kettlebell. And he's like, just walk around with this all day. And it's like, shit. You imagine that, right? And you imagine someone that's like 40, imagine someone that's 50 pounds overweight, put a, go ahead and put a barbell on their back. Everything they do is with a barbell on their back. I mean, that, how good can that be for you? Not good at all. And so if you're being active just to keep your weight the same or something like that, I mean, you know, why not? Yeah. Cool. So big benefits. So for the most part, almost always, I think you said, stay active as you can. And there's a lot of benefits that maybe we don't even understand. And I would say if, again, I pay you guys as a client, so I don't get any money for saying this. Um, maybe. It depends on how good it is. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I would say if you do hurt yourself or have an injury, give these guys here a chance to tell you not to work out. Because most of the people here would say, hey, my knees hurt. I can't work out. Why don't you like call up the coaches here? I'm telling you, they're good enough to say, you know what? You're right. Take a couple of days off or no, I think we can help. Give them a chance because they're going to do the right thing by you, you know? And I think if, if anything, you know, give them the chance. That's what you guys specialize in. You're, you guys are experts at that. And you guys like me, um, 
At the end of the day, it's no fun to have people around as clients that we don't think we can help or are going to be miserable doing it. And so um, a lot of times, if it is going to be too much of like a headache, you, I know you guys will tell, tell them because I know from a business standpoint, it would be a pain in the ass to deal with somebody or something that you guys aren't quali- qualified or capable. And so I would say if you're out there listening, give them a chance to tell you, yeah, stay home. And it's usually going to be Sydney, by the way. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And if you found this content valuable, here are four ways I can help you for free. One, grab a copy of my free guide, The Rehab Chiropractor's Checklist. You can get that at go.drjustinrabinowitz.com slash guide. That's go.drjustinrabinowitz.com slash guide. Two, go ahead and give me a follow on Instagram at Justin Rabinowitz, where I post business content. Three, subscribe to my weekly newsletter by sending me an email at coaching at strive to move.com. And four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more influential people and bring those lessons back to you. Thank you.